Before we get to today's episode of We Know You Have Sand, Illinois, a quick word on Fourth and Kirby. Fourth and Kirby, we wear their shirts. We love their shirts. For vintage-inspired, high-quality, and well-designed University of Illinois apparel, Fourth and Kirby is your place. Their online store will make you feel nostalgic for campus with original designs and designs inspired by artifacts of the past. These guys are alumni putting their skills. They honed at the University of Illinois to work. And they're getting back to the Illini community with some of the best-looking Illini shirts you'll ever see. Make sure to check out 4th and Kirby at 4thandkirby.com. That's 4th, F-O-U-R-T-H, and Kirby, K-I-R-B-Y.com. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the We Know You Have Sand, Illinois podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burkhead, here again with Steve Thumpasaurus Braun with our part two spring football podcast focusing today on the defense. And really quick, before we get going, just to cover our ass little moment, we're recording this on a Thursday night here on April 4th, just in case there's any sort of major news before this was released. I doubt it because it's spring football. And not much happens during spring football. It's any of note. But if there's injuries or anything of that sort, just keep that in mind. But with that being nothing, said, nothing, no, no particularly good news ever comes out of spring football camp. If it's, if it's good, then it's not quite big enough to be news. If it's news, then it's usually, my Dudex season is over. <laughs> that was awful. But anyways, with that being said, how are we doing tonight, Steve? I actually remember where I was when I saw that. Like, that... that that was please, like please a- like <laughs> not start off with like sadness when we already have to talk about the Illinois football defense. Like, can we just start off on like a good note, Steve? Oh boy, yeah, this is gonna be tough. I mean, I enjoyed talking about the offense a lot more because you know think- you, you didn't have to you didn't have to take as many leaps of faith to see them imp- you know being decent. Yeah, I wouldn't say improving what you were about to say, because I think to sum up our conversation from last Sunday, which you can go back and listen to if you'd like to before listening to this, uh, but I think our summary of the offense is they probably are going to be a tad worse just because you have a new quarterback coming in that's going to be young and you're losing your best offensive lineman, but the regression probably won't be that noticeable at all. But there still is a chance if something's happening at receiver that, yeah, you could see improvement in this way. So, but most likely case, we hold serve, if not a little bit worse. But with the defense, oh, man. We need a lot of junior jumps, man. A lot of junior jumps. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's going to have to be like there's – you know, nobody can expect the defense to perform well. I mean, if they – hold Akron out of the end zone, I will be flabbergasted. A super positive outlook on the defense is instead of ranking in the 120th in like every category and defense and being the worst in like every category in the Big Ten, that we rank like in the 80s in a lot of categories. Still a bad defense, but, you know, a lot better than what it was. I want to see us get back to the, you know, the the patchwork defense that Lovey fielded in 2016. I'd like us to get to that level of defensive performance. That's not even good, but it was just good enough to give Jeff George Jr. a shot to beat Michigan State. Oh, man, Jeff George Jr. Oh, is he still playing or is he done? Because I know he went to Michigan, then left, and went to Pitt. 
I think he might be done. Speaking of which, Cam Thomas. I still have not seen where Cam Thomas has ended up playing. Have you? I have not. Oh, but enough. All. I don't know. The former Illinois quarterbacks. Look at our depth chart from 2016 quarterbacks. I don't think any of them are active in college football now. Eli Peters gone already? Oh, I'm not sure, man. But Oh, hey, Eli Peters never showed up, did he? I think that's what it was. <clears throat> oh, whatever. My Lord. <laughs> I thought that we had one quarterback that redshirted and then transferred without ever seeing the field. Was that Fitzgerald? Yeah, it should be Fitzgerald. Like, he left to go to Dartmouth. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, yep, that was uh, our generation's Chandler Whitmer. Bill Cubitt, quarterback whisperer. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to hear too much about his quarterbacks, so you better keep it to a whisper. <laughs> I mean, except for Alex goddamn Carter, who... <laughs> Still, I'll never understand how how it came together for just like basically the Bill Cubit Western Michigan came together just long enough to screw with us in for at Ford Field, and this is this is taking a darker turn than I wanted it to. <laughs> Steve, that's I pretty just much can't get out of the basement, man. I just <laughs> can't. I can't find my way to to where the hell the light is even shining down the stairs anymore. Well, it's really hard for – with how poor this defense is looking like it's going to be, even if it does improve substantially, it's hard to find perspective on Illinois to where you can be, okay, this is what they're trying to do, and yada, yada, yada. Because the thing with Lovey Smith is his defense is kind of predicated on getting turnovers, being opportunistic, but with it being a poor defense, you'd like to see an offense that is almost more triple option-esque in the way that you would uh, want – to lower possessions in the yeah, game. Yeah, limit you know? the other team's opportunities. But we don't do that because of how fast we play on offense. Like, we play so fast on offense that we need to have some sort of defensive solidarity to have this work. And it's hard to see, unless a lot of juniors make a lot of jumps on this team, that's going to happen. Because let's just go over the, some of the stats from last year to really showcase where we're coming from. So in 2018... Illinois gave up 508.4 yards per game, which is the third worst in college football behind Oregon State and 2019 opponent, UConn. We gave up 7.1 yards per play on average, which I think is the most important defensive stat just overall. Just how many yards do you give up a play? We gave up 7.1, fifth worst in the nation. Two teams we mentioned before, so behind only Oregon State, UConn, add Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. Those are the only teams with a worse defense just on how many yards your opponent gets to play. 261.263.1 passing yards per game, 17th worst. 245.3 rushing yards per game, 10th worst. 6.0 yards per rush, 6th worst. 39.4 points per game, the 7th worst. Those are all also the worst in the Big Ten Conference. But to quote legendary former Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach John McKay, we can't stop a run or a pass. Otherwise, we're in great shape. That's what's funny is usually when there's a bad defense, there's one specific area where they're just really bad in the other area that maybe they're okay. We're bad at both stopping the run and the pass. Yeah, I mean, when you looked at Rutgers, they were a defense uh, – in, in the previous few years under Chris Ash that had a decent secondary, but it didn't matter because nobody ever had to pass against them. Uh, whereas with us, I mean... You can pretty much do whatever you want. You pretty, much, you pretty much could have done whatever you wanted against us last year. People don't necessarily have to pass, but in the, 
in the event that we'd shut down, we'd somehow stop someone behind the line of scrimmage or something, which, I mean, you know, much more common than that would be that the very first play of scrimmage in a drive would go for a first down. But anyway, I digress. You back them up into passing situations. Even the rare occasions that we did that, we still got torn apart. Like there, there, was, there was almost no situation where you ever felt that the defense wasn't about to give up a touchdown. For sure. It's demoralizing to watch a game like that just begging and pleading for just one stop or at least make them work for it. I mean, remember the first play of, Northwest, of the Northwestern game was Northwestern's longest run from scrimmage because, of course, I mean, you know, whether, we're, whether we were backed up inside our own 10, I felt like, okay, well, this play is going to be the touchdown. Uh, if, we, if Blake Hayes pinned the opponent inside their five, I would still feel like there's a non-zero chance this play goes for a touchdown. Well, that's true you know? of every football play, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, but like I'm very conscious of that fact with his defense. I'm not thinking I'm not thinking at that point, all right, well, let's hold him here and then get good field position. I'm thinking, oh, God, just don't give up a touchdown. The only thing that really sort of made the defense work at points, which I don't think you can really say, but sometimes they could force a little bit more turnovers than was expected. They, were, they had some insane interception luck in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. A lot of so, tip drill interceptions. And a lot of coaches will say, oh, we train our guys to jump on these footballs. We train our guys to, you know, tip those balls to get interceptions. But a lot of times it just does come down to luck. And Illinois was kind of lucky with that. But if Illinois can be lucky with that again, that's another way they can really help the team out. But now, one, year, thing that, one thing that we have emphasized is the peanut Tillman ball punch in tackling, although we sometimes do ta- sacrifice tackling effectiveness in order to do that. So that's the one place that you do really see technique creating turnovers, but that certainly isn't an explanation for all the turnovers we, we got, we, we took away in the early part of the season. Yeah. Really quick, and the more advanced numbers too, just to showcase it. So we were the worst Power 5 defense besides – Oregon State in S&P at 115th in the nation. We are 125th in rushing, 127th in passing. Man. And in success rate, success rate is defined by on a first down, do you get half the yardage? That's a successful play for the offense. On second down, do you get at least 70% of the yardage needed for a first down? On third down, do you get 100% of the yardage? Those are defined as successful plays. Illinois was 126th in the country in that, which just means – we were just basically letting teams motor down the field with ease. This wasn't we were giving up a bunch of explosive plays. We were just, which we were, but this was a defense that just couldn't stop basic offense. And, and let, me, let me also point out that that 115th in the nation is very bad. But, of course, when you delve into the more specific stats, you get, you know, bottom five in the conference for, you know, against rushing and passing. And what's the reason for this discrepancy? It's because of special teams, actually, that, you know, and, and that's part of what takes into account overall S&P. It's because special teams were very good at change, at flipping the field. I mean, and, you know, our starting field position average is pretty good. That actually explains why the overall S&P plus record isn't in the bottom five, even though a lot of the stats that go into it are, which means that are just on any regular defensive play, we're much worse than 115th. But basically, what we can say, rather than just spitting out more stats at you, Illinois is basically as worst bad of a defense as you possibly could have been last year. 
in the Big Ten football conference. It was as bad as it could have been in almost every single way. Nothing really worked. It was young, yes, but it was beyond the mistakes, the inadequacy, the bad play was beyond just, oh, we're young, which is part of the reason Hardy Nickerson was fired with four games left to go and Lovey Smith took over. But with that being said, so Steve, what do you make of Lovey Smith now finally announcing that he's going to be the defensive coordinator of the team? <clears throat> like, what do you think is going to change? Well, that's, that's just my contention here is that I don't see why anything should change because when Lovey came in and put the staff together, okay, Hardy Nickerson comes in as a guy who's been a high school head coach, but, you know, that's a big leap to go from there to a power five defensive coordinator. So the assumption was linebackers coach in the NFL. Yeah. But the college, I mean, the college level, because you've got that extra recruiting responsibility is a slightly different animal point being hasn't had a defensive coordinator position. And you figure that, okay, Lovey's going to, you know, start, well, not, not start, but like, you know, take this guy under his wing and, and coach with him and, you know, it'll be like Lovey's defense that, you know, through Hardy Nickerson, that's what I assumed would happen. And that's what you would think would happen because Lovey's thing, I mean, he's not, you know, a guy that's going to pound the ground in recruiting. He's not a Herm Edwards type. He's not everywhere. He's, you know, he's, he's not necessarily managing the offense um, with a whole lot of detail, with a whole, you know, hands-on CEO approach. So you would think that, his role from the beginning should have been defensive coordinator, if not in name. So I don't understand why suddenly, you know, anybody thinks that things are going to change because either, either well, because either things are not really going to change because Lovey's really been calling the defense the whole time, or there's a bigger problem, which is that Lovey wasn't really working that close with his defense. I think he I think Love is the type of coach who just trusts his coordinators to do their job. And I think he likes to be more of the figurehead running more from a bird's eye view, which is fine. A lot of coaches do that, but I don't agree with that. Nothing changed when he took over. Lovey Smith started running a little bit more man defense, a little bit more tighter coverage. And he also started using three linebacker sets more as the base rather than Hardy Nickerson, basically only running nickel at all times. So those things did change when Lovey took over. I don't, think it really helped with effectiveness of the defense but those were things that were very noticeable there later in the season those were things that help us beat minnesota um but of course functionally speaking i mean the defense gave up 63 points twice and and we're talking about year three of hardy nickerson being on the job wouldn't you figure that before it got to that point where it's like all right i'm taking everything over that he goes okay look i've been a defensive coordinator this we need to do something about this this is a serious problem all hands on deck I mean, I think Lovey was trying, but to be honest, I don't really know what there was much to do. Because last year, it just was, quite frankly, because of injuries. We had a couple of unfortunate injuries, especially along the defensive line. And just, we didn't have players that weren't good enough either just because they're very young still, or they're just not good enough. We just didn't have the horses. But also, at times, we ran a scheme that bit us in the ass too much. But it was almost hard to tell if it was a deficiency of the scheme because it was executed so poorly. But at the same time, it's not like Lovey was just sitting on his hands. Lovey? I don't think he was doing that. I think Lovey was doing his job. It's just, it's tough. 
But anyways, Flavia's full-time DC, I think the main thing we're going to see is we might see more man coverage because I think Lowe started using that a lot more later in the season. And I think we'll start seeing more three linebacker sets, especially considering the Big Ten West. There's not many teams that are going to try to spread you out too much. The only team really is Nebraska that's really going to do that a lot. Minnesota sort of does it, but not as much. You can get away with running three linebackers sometimes against them. So I think we're going to get rid of the base nickel. We're still going to be running a lot of nickel per se, but I think that we're just going to see a lot more 4-3, and we're going to see a lot more of the classic Lovey Smith style of defense, possibly. It's still going to be two high safeties, most likely. It's still going to be sort of soft, but... Well, I mean, you saw our guys just... I mean, the, the Maryland game was a particular work of art where our guys were just playing... Our, our defensive backs were playing zone... And you saw Maryland, a, par- a terrible passing offense, allowing the types of routes that zone's supposed well, Steve, to take Steve, away. We don't need to relive all of last year. We basically said what we need to say. It was yeah. bad. We can move on. There's no need to talk about those Maryland games or the Iowa game. It sure does seem like it was several games. Mm-hmm. But at but the real- same time, that was our last home game. But Iowa. because of how poor we are, we're looking for a lot of guys to step up. We really are. And man, but the good news is we're not losing much from the defense. I don't know if that's good news or bad news because it could just be a case of, yeah, everyone's coming back, but it's not that great because this was the team that produced one of the worst defenses in Illinois football history, if not the worst defense. But Illinois is only losing Cameron Watkins, which I think is pretty big loss, Delshawn Phillips, another big loss, and then Jimmy Marchese. That's the only major losses that Illinois football is going to have on the defensive end. So you're losing a senior linebacker, cornerback, and a walk-on linebacker. That's not bad. Uh, An accomplished deer thief. Um, I don't know I'd say accomplished. I mean, they caught him. Yeah, but not until after they caught him because he displayed his deer on his roof of his apartment building. It was almost the perfect crime. So anyway, uh, attention to detail and criminal shenanigans aside, which we've, we've lacked we've lacked that attention to detail that you find with more sophisticated criminal enterprises. I mean, can't even get into how many rookie mistakes Darte Lee made uh, in his heist. But anyway, we're talking about um, the defense and there's one player that sticks out to me as very clearly the best player that's currently on the spring ball roster as Bobby Roundtree. Yeah, it, it's not even really close. Bobby Rountree is probably the only player that I could really say a lot of positive things about on this defense. He's the only probably player that would for sure make a two deep of any football team in the Big Ten Conference. He's really came on strong last year. Really, really strong pass rusher. I think he had about seven sacks last year. You know, really had a great season. He's And he was really making plays on his own. You've seen... You know, defensive guys do really well in the sacks recently when we had a number of years of good uh, defensive linemen. Uh, But in this case, it really is just him winning a one-on-one matchup with a tackle and just going to to town. He he doesn't get much help. Yeah. Roundtree also – he had some struggles last year with just strength because he's only a sophomore, a true sophomore last year. And he has some things he can work on, but a lot of the things he has to work on is just – effort on every single play finishing plays. And that's the thing that you can really step up. Like he's a potential guy that if he has a really strong breakout year and improves again, he could leave early and go to the NFL. A la Whitney Merciless who had a breakout junior season. 
Yeah, but he's going to need the defensive tackle rotation to step up, and he's going to need somebody else at defensive at defensive end opposite him. Well, yeah, so looking, they don't just run to to that side. Well, looking at the rest of this defensive ends, there's a plenty of options, I'd say, but it's struggling to see how it's going to work out. So you still have Isaiah Gay around, who, man, he struggled last year. Undersized, you know, defensive end. Lovey likes to have one pure speed rusher. And Isaiah Gay kind of fits that mold. But in a way, Isaiah Gay almost has too good of a first step because so often Isaiah Gay would run and get a great start, burst off the line to rush the quarterback, and he would just way outrun any sort of angle that could ever get to the quarterback. Without even, and offensive lineman, because Isaiah Gay is small, didn't even worry about the inside, so they completely sold out on just driving him outside to where Isaiah Gay was just so largely ineffective. Now, he, hopefully that can improve. But well, I mean, it's a thing where he's too good. He's almost too quick. Well, that's the thing where some, you know, some strength and an inside move would help him out there to take advantage of that first step because, yeah, I mean, you can, if you can get the inside leverage, you can just keep turning him away, and that's what you saw happen. It's almost like people figured him out. You know, okay, well, if he's there, you know, this is how you block this guy because this is his only move. Yep. But I think he could – He's still around. He still has a lot of just speed talent, which can really help. You have Owen Carney Jr., who's hurt this spring right now. He had some injury troubles last year, but Owen Carney Jr. is in his junior year now. And, hey, let's see. This is around the time where your junior year is when you really need to start seeing, all right, let's see some production now. Like, I'll give you two years, you know, to get in the weight room, to get strength training up as defensive end especially. But now we need to see something. Uh, Lear Oladipo has been working at defensive end a lot this spring. Part of that's just because a lot of these defensive ends are injured, but I think Lear Oladipo could possibly be another guy for a breakout. But it's hard to pick any specific guy to break out. We're almost just hoping for it because we haven't seen much from any of these players besides Roundtree. You also have Ezekiel Holmes and Julian Pearl, who redshirted last year on the roster. One guy that I'm still kind of high on, I don't know about you, Steve, Io Shabonio. Or S-H-O-N-G-B-O-N-Y-O. Sungboyo. I'm going to go with that. But he's a guy he wrestled in high school. He played soccer. He played a lot of sports as a power lifter. Like, this guy is an athlete across many different spectrums. Started at linebacker, now defensive end. He's the type of guy where you could picture, like, wow, he got nothing out of this guy for two years, but now he's a good rotational player for us. Like, look what we got. This is awesome. Or he could be a guy who transfers – as a fifth year senior because he was just never good enough. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of cubit guys with, you know, kind of limited exposure on, on tape and, you know, guys that you, you never really felt were going to be difference makers that, that are hanging around and coming in and out of the starting lineup to varying degrees of success. I mean, Jake Hansen is a, is a, well, what happens is, like, we're not going to recruit top-level defensive linemen all the time, so you have to take guys like Owen Carnegie or Isaiah Gay. They're the three-star level guys, but we haven't, and some of them are going to bust, some of them are going to break, but so far we haven't seen much from any of these guys. Yeah, the weak side defensive end was just... So it's... uh, Good news, Illinois did bring in three decent freshman recruits at defensive end that will be here in the summer. You have Seth Coleman, Moses Okpala, and Keith Randolph. I think all three of those guys could potentially be rotation in the rotation for Illinois, and even one or two of them could become pretty good impact players. As freshmen, 
maybe they have to play just because that weak side defensive end, anyone can win that. Coleman, I see as a redshirt candidate just because his his frame's not size. there yet. He doesn't have the size yet. But Opala is enormous. Uh, Randolph is very is you know uh, one of those uh, very nimble big guys. And so though those two, I think you may see. I I would be surprised if we saw much of Coleman this fall. Yeah, I mean, but we said the same things about Isaiah Gay, and we saw a lot of him his freshman year. That is true. Um, but basically, defensive end, we're looking at, we got Bobby Roundtree, fantastic. He's looking great this spring, per reports. But beyond him, your guess is as good as mine. And I, they're going to have to spend spring ball and fall camp trying to find the answers there. Someone's going to have to step up. There's plenty of playing time for any of these guys to take it. And I'll be excited to see if anyone actually can. And that'll also really be helped out a lot by uh, if Calvin Avery can clean up his game uh, work on his technique because he's got the physical tools to be a starting defensive tackle in this conference. And he, he proved it last year when he wasn't getting Calvin Avery needs to lose some of that baby weight. I hope he has. <laughs> Cause Calvin Avery is one of those guys where it's like you hear him in, you hear him in high school and it's like, Oh, he's 330 pounds already. Like fantastic. And then you realize, well, he's 330 pounds, but a lot of it's not the best 330 pounds that you could be. It's like, Wow, because he didn't have as much stamina as you'd like. I kind of question why we didn't just redshirt him, but part of it was injuries, of course. But, man, but Calvin Avery at defensive tackle could potentially be a breakout guy. But definitely tackle, see the potential. Defensive tackle, Illinois has so many options that it might be hard for Calvin Avery to break into it because just on the top, you have Tamir Oliver and Jamal Milan, who are your likely starters at defensive tackle as seniors. Neither are spectacular, but at times both can – you know, as seniors have been on the team for a while, they can plug up gaps. They know what they're doing. Every now and then, Jamal Milan and Tamir Oliver will make a play that surprises you. Kenyon Jackson's still around as a senior, even though I thought it was possible he was going to depart from the program and look for a different place to play for his final year. But he's still around. He can still provide you some good depth. You also have Jamal Woods coming back, which I think is a really, really key for this defense. Jamal Woods early in the season last year was our best defensive lineman. Yeah, he was looking really good and having, again, having uh, anybody that's going to get up there and disrupt. You need disruption from the inside. You really do, or it's very easy to pass block. And he was the only one that could provide that because Tamir Oliver and Jamal Milan just can't. They're not pass rushers like that. But Jamal Woods could. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's where you'll be able to see Illinois take advantage of making a good play to get an opponent in the backfield is okay. Well, now it's a passing down. You can actually get some pressure on the quarterback. We were awful at pass rush situations last year, uh, which, you know, what, what are you going to do? You can sell out to blitz the quarterback and they still were able to block us, or you can drop everybody back into coverage and they'd still find open guys. <laughs> Welcome to Illinois football defense. Like, <laughs> and I think that the defensive line is a lot closer than the other position groups. I disagree because I think our secondary is better, but we can get to that. Virtus Brown is better. I mean, I think the secondary will improve more, but I think that the defensive line is going to be like the closest to where we want it. I don't know about that. Because the Virtus Brown's still there at defensive tackle to save for sure. I think there's multiple players. Oliver, Milan, Jackson, Woods, Avery, and Brown. Like that's six defensive tackles that I think could all see playing time this year. And significant playing time too. Virtus Brown may be more 
on the less likely side just because he had issues last year, of course, redshirted. I still think it's possible for his Brown moves to offensive line. But for now, we'll see. But there's a lot of options on the defensive line. But besides Roundtree, are any of these guys good? And we'll have to find out. Yeah, so behind them, we're going to have uh, – we're going to return a couple of starting linebackers. I think that Delshawn Phillips is a big loss. He really did – I mean, he was a very sure tackler. Well, man, Delshawn Phillips ran a 4-5 somehow, man. My oh, goodness. My well, remember when Justin Hardy ran a 4-3? Yeah, I think it just shows you that the, like, 40-yard dash kind of not important because Delshawn Phillips was very good at a lot of things. You know, he's – he knew where to be in coverage. He could read plays well. I think he tackled very well when he was there, but he was not fast. And teams exploited him for that really easily. He did not have side-to-side speed, sideline-to-sideline speed. So, wow. But anyway, maybe yeah. he'll get a shot at the NFL because he ran a 4-5, and the NFL is just obsessed with your measurable numbers, and that's about it. So Yeah, well, I mean, him know. with Camilo Eifler's athleticism would have been – would have been an all Big Ten linebacker. I mean, there was there was parts there's parts of his game that are so solid. I mean, he's also got pretty decent hands, right? He just doesn't quite have the the you know the the agility to be a, a lot of times on defense. Really, the range to be a, a yeah. coverage guy. When you're a defensive player, a lot of times, it just especially when you're trying to go to the pro level, there's just base levels of like you have to have this amount of quickness and speed, and if you don't have this, nothing else matters. Of course, we thought Clayton Fedulum was a guy that just didn't have the athleticism to cut it, and he's he's definitely hung around. He's an impact special teams guy. I honestly think he's one of those guys that a lot of people underlooked a lot of his athleticism just because he's white, to be honest. Well, I think it was more because you just never saw him in pass coverage as much as you saw him basically being a glorified linebacker. That's I true. really, really miss him as a safety, and – Bennett Williams was going to be the next guy like that. But anyway, um, <laughs> linebacker. <laughs> yeah. So, so Eifler is to replace, a, to replace in the middle there. It's either going to have to be Deli Harding or Jake Hansen. And I don't know if that's an easy choice because Jake Hansen is not a guy that can really work on blockers. Jake Hansen actually is a – I like Jake Hansen a lot because he can make a – a lot of tackles. He really fights and, and claws his way as much as he can, but he just can't engage blockers. You saw last year so much he just tried to run around, do everything he can to get around an offensive lineman's block rather than just trying to you know, engage them. And it was just yeah. helpless at times. And that's why he had a great game against Kent State. You know, He had more tackles for a loss in that one single game in Kent State than any player did in the previous season for the Illinois football defense. You know, an A-plus type of performance for him. And then we didn't see much for the rest of the year just because he struggles to get off of blocks. And then combined with that, it's not like he has the Jonathan Brown type of speed for a linebacker that's a little bit undersized to really help make up for it. But I like that he calls and scratches and does everything he can to fight to make tackles. So it's possible he's just going to stay on his strong side or weak side duties this year, depending on what Lovie Smith wants to do. I think it's like he'll be a strong side linebacker. And we're going to see Deli Harding move into that starting middle linebacker role. I feel like uh, Harding you saw, you didn't see as much of, but Hanson you also saw get himself out of position. Uh, you know, even before the snap, he could get himself out of position and uh, overrun plays. Um, well, part of that too is just, I think he overran plays because he just was trying to avoid blocks. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it, it, it was also a thing where, where he wasn't making all of the right reads. Um, Harding, I think, has more of the... Harding's our best disruptive linebacker. He could blitz yeah, has, and make things... Yeah, he has more of the overpowering skill set that allows you to really make things happen behind the line. But And then for talking about how we're probably going to run more 4-3 this year, I think an interesting option that we brought in is now Milo Eifler. And yes, it is Milo. I know that for sure. Milo Eifler, the transfer from Washington, never four-star recruit at Washington, but never broke through in their lineup at all. He actually came in because Hardy Nickerson was his high school coach. But then Hardy Nickerson leaves, but we're still left with Eifler. But Eifler, you know, pure athlete, as much speed as you'd want. Maybe a little bit undersized, but super fast, super athletic. He just looks the part. He fills out the uniform very well. You love to see a guy like this on your team. We're going to have to see... We're going to just really have to see if he can handle the physical play of it. But I think weak side linebacker guy, if that's where speed could be very interesting. Yeah, almost like a big cornerback. Do you, you remember know? the old star position we used to do? Yes, I was almost- just thinking of that. The, the, the star, that, that hybrid safety linebacker, uh, who was uh, Ernest Thomas. Shante right? Williams. Yeah. Ernest Thomas, or was he a safety? I know. I think that they switch those off sometimes. Oh, our defensive backfield was just a mess under Zook every year, basically. <laughs> but yeah, so Milo Eifler, it's really just hard because it's like he has all the athleticism you want, speed, great, but can he engage with a blocker and beat a blocker? Can he blitz and get to the quarterback? Great athlete, everything you want. How good of a football linebacker is he? Yeah, does he have a nose for the ball? Does he... Does he know how to read the play? Does he spot the ball well? Um, especially when you deal with teams like, especially, I just keep being really nervous about Nebraska's ability to uh, misdirect us. Um, offense is kind of like ours for whatever reason. Speed can help with a lot of the side to side plays they're dealing with last year. And then last we're on Eiflers, I wish that when we got transfers, especially like Eifler, that they would change they'd give a transfer star ranking and recruiting ranking because a lot of people are like, oh, four-star linebacker, he can come in and be great. But if you had to re-rank him, he would not be a four-star. He would not be a high-level transfer recruit. Yeah, because there are reasons that he didn't crack that depth chart. And in fact, I mean, he's currently working in with the twos where a lot of people had him penciled in as a for-sure starter. Yeah, we're going to have to – but I'm still hopeful just because of that athleticism. I want to see it tried out there because I really think you could see some good things with him. Yeah, I really think if we're going to roll with three linebackers for the most part, because well, those are going to be our three. Because if it's not him, then who's it going to be? Is it going to be James Knight? Like James Knight's almost more of the pure star sort of sort of safety sort of linebacker role. Kalen Tolson. I mean, his dad wore him to play last year. Do you remember that? His dad tweeted, let my son play. His dad seems <laughs> to be a little happier with the coaches this year. So, you know. The, the dad, he could have been drinking that day in the stands, having a good time. and just I'm not going to hold him to those tweets, but it was just like the whole let booby play thing, that basically. Well, look, he would, <clears throat> he would still have had a better time as a player's dad than uh, poor Shieldhouse's dad did that homecoming game against Michigan State. What are you talking about with that? He got kicked out of Memorial Stadium and oh, banned from there. Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, didn't he get banned from campus? Yeah, he did. I mean, in his defense, I was at that game, and it was miserable. Oh, man, I forgot about The vultures that. circled overhead in the fourth quarter as we were down 35-3. to three. 
Oh, the just remember looking up and seeing vultures. <laughs> like they're coming for you, Timmy. <laughs> I forgot all about that. But yeah, Kalan Tolson, he, a lot of straight line speed. I think that he, he should play a, more this year. I think he'd be an excellent special teams player. Not sure how much we'll see of him in the linebacking option. Jacob Hollins is back too. I don't really have much to say about Jacob Hollins. Hope he's good. <laughs> he wears Jake, Jay Lehman's old number, so that's a good sign. Ooh. And, of course, he'll have Shaman Cooper in the fall. And Tariq Barnes, who I think is a little bit overlooked, but Tariq Barnes I think could be potentially a guy. You won't see him for a couple of years, but Tariq Barnes is a name to keep out of. But Shaman Cooper, I don't know if he'll crack the starting lineup. I don't know if he'll play too often. I, at this point, in, doubt that in he high school, he was At high school, he was listed at 195 pounds. Now, of course, he could have put a lot of weight on since, like, these six months since high school football. He could have put a lot of weight on. He could be at whatever weight now. But linebacker is the easiest position on defense to transfer to from high school because a lot of it's just read and react. But So if he can get up to size and prove he can do that, he could play right away. But I think it's more likely he'll play but not – start a lot so i wouldn't expect much early from shaman cooper but eventually i mean that's your guys middle linebacker anybody would want yeah i mean that's a guy that we coveted for a long time and you know as a as a big piece of the future well, of this defense last year my white way of recruiting was like if i could get one of these big guys we're after it shaman cooper. shaman cooper yep i was right there with you and we got him but as far as next year yeah he's a four star but and I think he has a lot of talent, but it's just really hard to physically step up from high school to Big Ten defense. It's a big jump. Now he, yeah, if he, you're going to see a lot of running backs that are going to outweigh him at 185. But I think he could put on weight, and if he can put it on quick enough and put on good weight, he could play. We'll just have to see how he looks when he gets on campus. But linebacker, yeah. that's, it's a very not deep position. And it's probably the position on defense I feel the worst about, honestly, just because I think a lot of Harding and Hanson don't have the speed that you'd like to see. I think we're going to start linebacker. Milo Eifler, I'm not very confident in just because a lot of the – I don't know how good of a – he seems to be one of those guys, like great athlete, not sure of him as a football player. But in modern college football defense, if it, linebacker is the least – linebacker is becoming less important every single year seemingly in college football. The only defensive system I know of that really depends on its linebackers being excellent is TCU with their 3-3-5 defense. But even then, the linebackers are almost more pass rushing than pure linebackers. Yeah, your, your traditional 4-3 that we're going to be running, I guess, is not quite defined the same way that it was 20 well, years ago. I know how traditional it would be because if my lifer does more of a – semi-nickel linebacker. And we might run a lot more nickel, too. Who knows? It might just be a thing Lovey did with last year's defense specifically. Positionless we'll to... basketball. Well, that's what TCU runs on defense, man. It's, you, I love watching TCU football play defense, man. It's exciting. Remember it's that all... time we hired their offensive coordinator? No, I don't really want to think about it <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I can't. the The stairs have got to be around here somewhere. Stairs out of this basement. I'll just keep looking. Mm-hmm. Let's just move on to cornerback, though, Steve. No senior cornerbacks 
for the first time in a little bit. No senior quarterbacks for this year's class. Uh, we are returning a lot of experience, though. You have Nate Hobbs returning, who started a lot of games. Tony Adams as well. But Tony Adams is probably going to be a safety. So we can talk about it a little bit later. But And then you also have Nick Walker coming back. Dylan Wyatt, Ron Harge, and then one of my guys I'm very high on, Quan Martin. So you have a lot of options at cornerback. You're also bringing in Marquez Beeson, who I don't know about you, Steve. I'm expecting Marquez Beeson to be starting cornerback day one and never not start again. 100%. Um, that guy is a difference maker at corner. That guy is, especially having seen him play man coverage, man, if that's what Lovey's going to do is play more man coverage, uh, Beeson's got the potential to be a lockdown corner. Guy yeah, that you put on there that you just shadow their best guy with. If that's going to be a part of the defense going forward, then yeah, I fully expect him to start day one. Honestly, I'm expecting the outside corner starting corners to be, and I'm hoping I'm right. This is Jartavius Quan Martin, and then you know Marquez Beeson. Don't even think about it. They're our best corner coverage guys. They're pretty tall for corners. Martin has super long arms. He's very slight of frame, but super long. Martin gave up a lot of big plays last year, but he was young. But he also showed some good coverage instincts at times. I thought he has good. His quickness, really quick like a little cat there. I loved watching him. I think Beeson could be excellent as a freshman. And then you have Nate Hobbs, who possibly could start over Beeson or Martin. But Nate Hobbs is one of those guys where I think a lot of people are very high on. But personally, I don't just see it with Nate Hobbs. I just If someone had to come up to me and be like, hey, what do you think of Nate Hobbs? I'd be like, well, he's fine. I think he's okay. But what does Nate Hobbs do well? Yeah, that's not really ever been 100% clear in his game. I mean, he, does, he, he doesn't have anything that I guess you'd say he does he, very poorly. He's played a lot, but he's never like looked awful out there, but he's never been a guy where I'm super confident in out there either. Yeah, I mean, like I actually really liked Tony Adams in his freshman year when I saw him as a, as a corner. I mean, he made some – some missteps, he got burned, but, I mean, he also made a few very, very good plays, uh, covered very well at times. I didn't really see the, feel the same way about Nate Hobbs. Yeah, and but speaking of corners, so our top three corners for sure, Nate Hobbs, Quan Martin, Marquez Beeson, I think that's pretty clear. Marquez Beeson, once he gets in, I think, just put don't even think about playing at wide receiver at all. Well, maybe a play or two a game if you really have to. Just play him at corner. Play him on defense. That's where I think he's going to be a great player. But with that being said, so if Nate Hobbs is not going to be one of those two stars, is he just going to have to slide into the nickel? Because losing Cam Watkins, we are also losing our nickel cornerback. Yeah, I Cam Watkins is the only one of these transfers that really concerned me because I, I thought he was going to be a fairly big part of the defense. Yeah, running less nickel maybe won't be as good of a big of a deal, but man, it's a big loss. So someone's going to have to fill in that nickel role. Maybe it's Nate Hobbs. Maybe it's Quan Martin. Maybe it's Nick Walker. Maybe Sidney Brown can do it a little bit too, but Sidney Brown's probably going to be there at safety again this year alongside Tony Adams. That was the two we were starting last year. And I don't know about you, Tony Adams, I actually kind of liked him a little bit more at safety than I did corner. I think he could actually read plays pretty well. He made some I think really he had what game was it where he had the really good interception in the end zone? Oh, I don't recall. I recall him flying around the field against Minnesota, but that was the only game that he really, I mean, made a huge difference at safety. But that's still more than 
anybody else can say. <laughs> he yeah. had a game where he made a big difference. Well, Adams, the problem with him at safety is you just question his tackling and his run-stopping ability in situations where you need that. But I kind of liked him a lot at safety. Because I feel like – I think Tony Adams is really talented. I think that he would probably have also been our best corner last year. But he had skills – the skill set for safety uh, developed better than a lot of safeties on our roster. So yeah. they said, well, you're not – maybe not quite as good as safety as corner, but we've got people that can be, you know, playable at corner more than we do at safety. That might be true. and. But I think Tony Adams actually looked pretty good at safety. I didn't really think it was too much of a downgrade from him at corner. So I liked him there. I think he's going to just walk into that spot again because I don't really see much of a challenge for him at that free safety spot unless, of course, they put Sidney Brown there with Stanley Green at starting safety. But I think it's more likely Sidney Brown will be the starting safety again. Sidney Brown had a really good freshman year, I thought. Really great nose for the ball. Hustles. Does every all those little things that just makes you fall in love with a player. Really gritty. But at the same time, he was probably the player that gave up the most big A very raw player still. I mean, remember, he, he was so aggressive that it was too, too much. He was, very, I mean, he, was, he was not very highly regarded out of high school and seemed like a diamond in the rough. But out of Canada. At the same time, you know, there's kind of a reason for, for, for that. And that's just that he's just so raw. You know, there was limited data on him because – he hadn't played all that much. Yeah, but he's a guy that I think a lot of people are higher on than I am just because, yeah, he was always around the ball, hustling, hard-nosed, doing all those great things, but he takes bad angles a lot of times, overran a lot of plays, gave up a lot of busted coverages just because he was so over-aggressive. Now, the good news is those are very coachable things to fix. These aren't, oh, he's not fast enough, oh, he maybe he isn't tough enough, or oh, those sort of issues. It's Yeah, he's over-aggressive, so if you can dial it back – rein him in a little bit and coach him up and get him to be a little bit more used to where he needs to be at all times, read the game better. He can blossom into a really great player. Now I know that reports out of practice are, I mean, might as well be state propaganda. You know, I mean, we, we know this, we know to take any reports out of practice with a grain of salt because anybody that's going there has a vested interest in, you know, Illinois being appealing, but I like everything that I've heard about the way that Keanu Hudson is uh, approaching the practice. He's a very in-your-face kind of guy. He's, he's very demanding of these defensive backs. Um, it's a lot more of a, you know, it's a lot more hands-on approach than we saw with Donnie Abraham until, of course, he just left. Uh, more hands-on approach than we saw with Gil Bird in practice. Um, people are really taking him well. They say he's tough but fair and, you know, just a really intense guy. I like to see that with the position coaches, you know, just – because that's, that's kind of what you think of when you think of a Division One football camp is you think, well, let's do Oklahoma drills, and then everybody, all the coaches are just crazy and yelling vague platitudes in your face. Come on, man. Right? Adams and Brown starting safeties, though, I like it. And I think, yeah, Kenyatta Hudson, hard nose, nothing not to like. He looks mean in every single picture it's taken yeah. of him. <laughs> yeah, you ever, ever find a picture of him where he doesn't look really fired up and real intense? I mean, he's got – He's probably the greatest mean mugger I've ever seen. Yeah. And then the last safety to really talk about is Stanley Green. Oh, do we have to? I mean, he's our senior on our senior on our defense, man, and he's has a lot of experience. I don't think he's bad. He has some issues with targeting, of course. Compare him to Daniel Carcillo. He did lose his starting job 
and I don't think it's likely he'll get it back, but he's still around. He can still be a key player. But, man, just don't hit with your helmet. Please don't. <laughs> and to any of, our, any of our hockey fans, any of our Blackhawks fans out there, may remember Daniel Carcillo, also known as Carbomb, who uh, generally just went in there to, to go and have a whack at people. But yes, those three safeties, I feel okay about. But again, it's just we need a lot more of them, out of them. And I think that's just the, st- the story of this whole defense that we've talked about now. There's one player that I think that me and you both agree on. Yes, this guy is going to be great, good, Roundtree again. And maybe Beast, me and you are both really high on those two. But for everyone else, there's a lot of just, are these guys good enough? And are they, can enough people take leaps? We need leaps out of at least two or three defensive linemen. We need three or four of the secondary players to really step up and make a thing. We need a lot of – we basically need all those linebackers to take a step up. And you see, you see potential, right? You see potential, especially in the, in the young defensive tackles, maybe not as much potential in the defensive line as a whole. Definitely potential in the secondary, but an awful lot of it is unfulfilled for the secondary. You know, it's, it, you can see where they've got some ceilings that are pretty good, but they're so far from them right now. They've still got such a long way to go. Yeah, if, with how bad the defense was last year, we need both the defensive line and the secondary to make us take a big step up because if the secondary gets good but the defensive line still can't force much of a pass rush or stop the run, then it doesn't matter. If we can start pass rushing a little bit better and maybe stop the run a little bit, but our secondary is still another disaster, then it doesn't matter. You need both of those things to sort of take huge step ups. And by huge step ups, I don't even need, they don't even need to be good. We just need to be okay. Yeah. I mean, especially because we're going to face so many power running offenses that you're going to need the defensive line to hold its own, you know, play after play after play after play after play. And then, you know, you're going to want to take advantage when power running teams are forced to pass. Uh, and they're not really all that good at it. Talking about you, Northwestern. Um, but spring ball, so, yeah. Go ahead. It's just hard to know what you're going to see. It's hard to use spring ball as any kind of preview. It's almost even hard to use fall camp as any kind of preview for what you're going to see out there. <laughs> yeah, because me and you are both kind of like, it's your guess as good as mine who's going to be starting at eight defensive positions this year and who could take a step up. Oh, the other thing is we sure as shit didn't see this defense coming last year. I mean, we didn't think that it was going to be a good defense by any means. In fact – both of us the said defense regressed, regressed well, from 2016. Yeah, well, both of Hard. us said, hey, look, people are overselling how good the 2017 defense was. It just seems like that in comparison to the god-awful 2017 offense, you and me both were concerned about the defense. People think the defense is all right, but it actually was kind of bad. But even, even in our most pessimistic takes, we never expected anything like this, like what happened last year. So from that standpoint, it makes it really hard to know what to expect because we didn't see that coming. Yeah, we could improve by like a, across the board by a great deal and still be by still far be the worst defense yeah. in the Big Ten. But if our offense can hold serve and the defense can get around, you know, instead of ranking last in everything in conference, maybe like your 11th in some things are like eighth even, you could possibly get six wins then. You could. You really could. But – if the defense is again, if the offense regresses a little bit and the defense doesn't improve greatly, it's not a great sign. And I just, it's really hard for me to, for me to picture this defense being good. We need 
two defensive ends to step up along with Roundtree remaining good. We need our defensive tackles to stay, one, healthy, and two, produce better, more disruptive plays. You need linebackers to really, really somehow sort themselves out. You really almost need Shaman Cooper to be able to play as a freshman, in my mind, to really feel confident about that. And then you need the secondary to really finally solidify itself and get guys in positions where they're comfortable with and stop blowing up huge plays. And I think you need all those things to happen to improve as much as we need to make a bowl game. I'm just not sure if that – that's a lot to ask for in one offseason. You know, and yet it's possible. It's highly unlikely, but it's certainly possible. We have a new strength coach. We have a new guy on the – you know, we have a new guy working with the defensive backs. We uh, have a new guy working with the linebackers. But you know what? If we finish – in the top 50 of S&P Plus in defense this year. Uh, probably the, the single-season greatest turnaround of defense. If we do that, I'm getting myself a customized Miles Smith jersey. Let's <laughs> get a shirt of him with his face on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go ahead and concede that he was the most qualified man we could have possibly brought in. But, yeah, so... Speaking of the most qualified man that we could possibly bring in... Let's bring up Blake Hayes. Oh, yeah. He can punt. I don't know I why I... he's in this group because our punting – I consider punting to be a de- – The ultimate offensive weapons. Punting's a defensive move, and there's four <laughs> cowards. That is why it is here on defense. <laughs> I – we will never agree on this, Steve. I despise punting. It is cowardly. It is just feckless. Well, on the other hand, you know, back in 2017, you had – I'm happy Hayes. we have a decent punter now, but I just hate how much we punt. So back in 2017, we'd go three and out, but we'd have Blake Hayes and he'd say, okay, good. Now we got the ball into the hands of our most dangerous weapon, right? Blake Hayes. So Blake Hayes, there's a lot to like about him, but I do say he's more, he's, we kind of memefied him based on the 2017 season where it's like, oh, team MVP and all that. But he's not that, he's not like an elite punter. He's just, he's fine. There are good punters good. in the Big Ten. Yeah. But Blake Hayes, keep on punting. Keep on doing all you're doing. I hope I stop seeing as much of you. Yeah, that would, that would be lovely to, you know, to, to, to just not have to whip out the big gun that often. Mm-hmm. Man, but I really hope this defense can break out. But speaking of that, Steve, last thing we'll talk about, which player do you think of all these guys we've talked about needing to break out? Who is the guy that you would pick to be most likely to take a huge leap this year and really surprise us. Mm, That's a tough one. I would like it to be Calvin Avery, but I think that it's most likely going to be either Quan Martin or Tony Adams. Those are very basic picks, Steve. I know. (laughs) I'm disappointed in you. (laughs) Oh, I'm not. Okay. I'll say Michael Marchese. Man, if Michael Marchese plays as much as he did last year, I'm really, really, really going to be so pissed off. Okay, so my guy I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with my guy. And I really hope I'm right on this, but this is a long shot. I'm going to go with Ayo Shabonio. <laughs> I still have my stock in him, even though I can't say his last name. But I still have my stock in Ayo. I still have my stock high on him, and I still think that this is a great kid from a military family. He was recruited to one of the academies, too, I remember. I think that this is a guy that can really come out of nowhere and just 
be like, holy crap, where'd this guy come from? Like, who, is, who the hell is this? Who so what you think of, so what you think is that our basketball and our football seasons will both be defined by the season of IO. I don't know if I'd say that, but I'm saying if, if IO came out, the football IO came out and got, you know, four or five sacks and was a decent rotational player for us, it wouldn't shock me. And I think it could happen just because I. Yeah, but if he were the face of our defense, it would be some amazing marketing. Yeah, man. Him and Dasumu stand back to back. The IOs of our eye. <laughs> That's a shirt, man. <laughs> but anyways, I think overall, defense, it's really hard for me to even predict if we're going to improve or get worse. Okay, we can't get worse. No. It's hard for me to, to even predict if we're going to be able to improve a lot or not because we just there's so much uncertainty across the board. With the coaching staff, with a lot of these juniors who are supposed to be, going to be making up the bulk of this defense, all we can really be sure about is Marquez Beeson is going to probably be a good player for us at cornerback, and Bobby Roundtree is a hell of a defensive end. But if good, maybe not great, but he could potentially break out and be a great player. If this defense – But besides that, out, what, what's and, there to lean on? Like, this defense was so bad at everything <clears throat> last year. Worst pass defense in the Big Ten. Worst rush defense. Worst points per game defense. Like – Worse than everything on defense in the Big Ten, there's just nothing there to really – we have to reimagine this entire defense because there's nothing to build upon. you got to trust that the coaching staff can get more out of these players this offseason than they did last offseason. And to an extent, hey, Lovey's kind of asking us – I mean, he's a little bit too stubborn to admit this, but he's asking us to really trust him. Uh, so we have no choice. But what is for sure is that if this defense uh, achieves trash again, and that's what keeps us out of a bowl game, I mean, you just got to make a coaching change because you just can't have a guy whose specialty is the worst part of the team. I agree. And one point of optimism that we could remain with is playing defense. So much of it just comes down to effort. It is so easy, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to play football at a 70% effort rate. If you can get guys to give you 90 to 100% every single snap, you're going to improve a lot. I'm not saying we played a flow effort last year, but I'm just saying when you're getting games where you're not as competitive, it's really easy to you know not sprint as hard as you can, you know, not try to get off that block as hard as you possibly can, not play every down with the intensity that you really need. And if you can just get that to happen, if you can really get Kenyatta Hudson to get those secondary guys fired up every single play, if Lovey Smith taking over this defense can really light a spark and just get guys to play hard every single play, that can really help improvement, even if we don't see a big uptick of breakout seasons. That might be enough alone if we can just get more belief and camaraderie between these guys that are older now and get them to play hard every play. That might be enough. You know, a lot of times when you see these really great defensive coordinators and, you know, on, on good college defenses, it's, the, the, remember kind of the, it's that, the remember to the Titans bullshit of defense's desire. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and it's also the guy that, that you see, you know, that, that the camera picks up uh, excitedly yelling some vulgarity at his players on the sideline, right? You know, Will Muschamp, Coach Boom. Uh, you know, just guys that are, that are, that are hyped up in their guy, you know, in the defense phase, I mean, Michigan's Don Brown is a guy whose coaching style I love, makes you want to run through a brick wall. And when you bring up effort on defense with that reaction thing, I almost feel like you need a more intense coach. You need more intense coaching style to coach defense than to coach offense. 
Well, it's one of the difference between the NFL and college because there's a lot of talk about, oh, why aren't these guys coaching from in the NFL? Like, they, why don't guys jump up to, from college to the NFL? Well, a lot of times it's because you had to treat professional NFL players way differently. You had to treat them with more respect and dignity, I'd almost dare to say. And Levy Smith's a very low-key guy, and I think he's very professional. He treats his players very well. But in college, you see a lot more coaches that are a lot more intense and fiery and really those sort of people make fun of P.J. Fleck with his rah-rah bullshit, but his players love it. Yeah, and let me tell I'm you not saying different. that we need to have super tough, fake tough guy crap that Tim Beckman loved to do, but we need more fiery stuff out of this defense next year. And if that's, you know, one of the assistant coaches, Kenyatta Smith-Hudson, or Keynato Hudson, I think is what it is. If it's Coach Key really trying to get these guys fired up and going, then so be it. And you know what, Tim? We made fun of Tim Beckman a lot. Everybody made fun of Tim Beckman a lot. But I'll tell you what, if in 2014, instead of just limping to a bowl game, they like played in the Big Ten title game, yeah, suddenly all this rah-rah bullshit is actually just, oh, he's a very eccentric, very passionate coach. And, you know, you can see how everybody buys into this family. That's the difference is he didn't win. And then he also was, uh, was a monster with the medical stuff. But just if you t- take all the stuff that he was made fun of for and another coach does that exact same shit with the exact same delivery, the exact same dumb ap- accent talking about the University of Illinois. I say and- Illinois, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Then, then, and then wins a bunch of games. Then that that coach is is just a great motivator. That's true. It's really quick. So, speak, the accent thing of Illinois is that just like a Southern Illinois thing, or I don't know. The good old U of E. It's a rural Midwest thing. Well, part of it too. Southern Illinois, where I'm from, and then Missouri, and then you know even Southern Indiana. That's where you like start having the blend of Southern cultures start to creep in. Because I went to school in Illinois, of course, and a lot of people, because of their crazy Chicago accents, thought I had a Southern accent at times. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So I don't know if it's just an accent thing or if I'm just a redneck too much. But yeah, me and Tim Beckman, it's the University of Illinois, man. (laughs) There is a rural Midwest accent. Let's, you know, especially, I don't know that you could necessarily compare Illinois to it's not Minnesota's, but it matches up pretty well with what you hear in rural Ohio, south, southern rural Ohio and Indiana. But anyways, man, speaking of accents, Lovey Smith, that Texas accent, I really want him to use it to get these players fired up on defense, and I'm really hoping we can see a lot of improvement because if we don't, it might be it for I want Lovey you Smith. To, I want you to go out today, and I want you to give 110%. And I want you to play this game like it's your last. <laughs> that was a very bad impression, Steve. But with that being said, that's going to do it for us today. I'm Brandon Burkett. That is Steve Braun. Thanks for listening. Listen to our part one of our spring football podcast, too, if you did not hear that, to hear more about the offense and Rod Smith. Our Rod is an awesome Rod, Steve. We must protect this house. <laughs> Pictured like Levy Smith doing an Under Armour commercial. (laughs) Will you protect this house?